Hello, my friends, one of our favorite people, Manny Montenegrino. We're going to have a philosophical and practical conversation about this question. Is Canada broken? Pierre Polyev thinks it is. Justin Trudeau, well, he thinks it is too when it suits him. Other times, not so much. We'll get into it. But first, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of these podcasts. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. And do it because of the great content you get, but also do it to stand up for independent media because, you know, we don't take a dime from Trudeau, one of the only people who don't, and so we rely on you. That's Rebel News Plus. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, an in-depth conversation with our friend Manny Montenegrino, and the question is this, is Canada broken? It's February 9th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you sensorious bug. Is Canada broken? It's a very deep question. Uh, Justin Trudeau says Canada isn't just broken, it's a deeply genocidal place, but he only says that sometimes. Unfortunately, some of those times are when he's talking to the foreign press, he badmouths us. The tyrants of the world take note, and they no longer accept criticism of their actual genocides, like China and their Uyghurs. They throw it back in our face because Trudeau has condemned us in language he won't even use to condemn China. Trudeau also says that Canadians have many other flaws. We are a broken people. We are racist. We are sexist. Not him in his blackface or his sexual assault of Rose Knight in Creston, B.C. No, no, no. Just us. So Justin Trudeau says the country is broken when it suits him. But of course, he's been running the country now for almost eight years, and it's tough for him to blame any brokenness on the previous administration, which is certainly what he did for the first few years. Well, now there's a new leader of the opposition, Pierre Polyev is his name, and he seems a little bit sharper than the last leader of the opposition. And he's leaning into the concept that, well, if Canada is not broken, certainly the government of Canada is broken. Look at this entertaining but persuasive exchange in Parliament just this week. Prime Minister said he was drawing the line to ban anyone from pointing out that things are broken after eight years of his leadership. Well, his own parliamentary budget officer has crossed the line, Mr. Speaker, saying, and I quote, the system, there is a system that is broken. Anybody who has recently applied for a passport, employment insurance, old age security, and the list goes on. They probably realize very well that the level of public service Canadians are getting is not what one would expect from a world-class public service. There is room for enhanced leadership. Mr. Speaker, will he call wow. to the carpet this rogue parliamentary officer for saying that things are broken? Honourable Prime Minister. Speaker, after a very difficult pandemic, yes, there have been challenges on service delivery, and that's why this government has been stepping up. Uh, one of the areas we're stepping up in is recognizing uh, that our universal public health care system needs more support, and that's why uh, we're moving forward with $198 billion worth of investments in additional money uh, to support provinces and territories in delivering better health care for Canadians, whether that's more access to family doctors, better mental health supports, better support for frontline health workers uh, or better data and information to underpin our system. We are there to invest while Conservatives continue to push cuts. 
I thought Polyev did a good job there. He wasn't saying that Canada as an idea is broken. He was pointing out how whether it was running the airports or the passports or pretty much anything else, including Roxham Road, what the government is supposed to do is broken and it's not good enough for the Canadian people. I thought that was very effective. The liberals hate that. They're squawking about it, saying that Polyev himself is being unpatriotic by claiming that the country is broken. I don't think he's claiming that the country is. I think he's claiming that the government is, and it's different. Well, one man who I think will help us with this conversation, and we're going to have a full-length show with him today, is our friend Manny Montenegrino. He's not just the CEO of Think Sharp. He's also someone who has worked in law and politics for decades, including serving as a lawyer to aforementioned Stephen Harper. He joins us now via Skype from Ottawa. Manny, great to see you again. The idea yeah, great to be with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And by the way, we got to get you back on Twitter. You were one of the most entertaining and informative brawlers on Twitter yeah. until you were suspended. But now that Elon Musk has brought back free speech, we got to bring Manny back to Twitter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What do you think about the, the concept that Canada is broken? Because no one wants to say we live in a broken place. No one wants to talk down their city, their country, their family, their home. But I think it's okay to talk down the government and how the government is doing, and certainly politicians are fair game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's two ways to define broken. Uh, there is, you know, I, I call it the DNA way, you know, does it go to the core of the person? Or is it you know, little cuts and bruises and so on. So, you know, if something gets to a human's DNA, that's pretty critical. If someone gets to some small bruises. So what Pierre Polivare did, did list a bunch of broken things, the passports, uh, uh, all these things are small broken. But when you ask me the question, I go to the fundamental definition of Canada. And Ezra, I did a little homework. In 1967, we became Canadian citizens. I was just a, a teen at that time, no, almost a teen. And my father received a certificate. And then we were called the Dominion of Canada. And in that certificate, it reminded every immigrant what they're entitled to. And I'll list the, the four. Number one is you're entitled to freedom of speech. You're entitled to freedom of assembly. You're entitled to freedom of religion, and you're entitled to a democratic parliament, a free democratic parliament. Now, those, those were the four things that define Canada. I'll call it the DNA of Canada. And if you speak to anyone, any Canadian, I would say at least 10 years ago, because I think we've lost this lesson, but any Canadian for the last, since the First World War, that's who Canada is. That's its DNA, those four values. And that was, we were told, we you know, got to Canada. We are immigrants to Canada. This is who you are now. This is what you enjoy, these four fundamental pillars. And from 1967, now we all understood it as Canadians, Ezra. We all under, understood freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, and a, and a free democratic uh, government. We understood those. But it went on in a in 1983, it wasn't just who we were. We codified it into the Charter of Rights. 
Pierre Trudeau understood that, you know, we all agree that we are this, but let's make sure that we will never change who we are as Canadians. So those four principles and others were codified in the Charter of Rights. So that's who we are. Now, when you ask, are we broken? When we look at it in those terms, the answer is yes. And who did the breaking? Uh, uh, Justin Trudeau. Let's go through it. In the last two years, we saw well, there's an unprecedented attack of freedom of speech. There's a new parliamentary bill that just passed the Senate to censor free speech. Uh, we have Trudeau who paid millions of dollars to co-op the media so that voice of free speech is gone. Individuals don't have free speech. And soon, Ezra, I probably will not be on Twitter or any social media because this new law will prevent any free speech. That's directly being attacked by Justin Trudeau. That's real. It's happening. It's now. Huh. Freedom of us, you know, so, so there's one of the pillars that this immigrant was told you will always have. And in 1983, as a young charter lawyer, I said, wow, not only was I told I have it as a citizen, it's now embedded in my DNA of Canada. It's embedded in the Constitution. It's in the charter. No one will ever take it away from me. Huh. Point you know number what? two. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Let me interrupt you just for one second. I want you to go through them, but I'm just thinking about the what it was like to get a certificate. Yeah. Saying here, like that, and it didn't say you're entitled to this welfare or this payment no. or this, no. you know, it, it was you're entitled to something far more valuable than money. Yeah, you're entitled didn't. to these deep freedoms. Like I, and I can imagine a new Canadian family. Well, yeah, from Italy, where, and yeah. thinking about it and saying, this is what our riches are. The riches here is not cash or gold, the riches are these freedoms which we may not have had in the old country, whatever the old country was. Right. It wasn't my skin color. It wasn't how I identified. You know, here's an interesting point, and I'll get on to the point too, but Ezra, there's a lot of silos that, that you know, diversity that I will never belong to. I will never uh, be an indigenous person. I will never be a black person. I will never be whatever silos Trudeau's creating. But there's one thing we all have in common. And that is these values that Canadian have, those four values that I was told that every Canadian. So whether an immigrant from Italy or Africa, not we didn't have the same culture. We didn't have anything that was similar in, in any way, but we did have these four values that bound us into a nation. And that is a definition of Canada. So did you so dad was, show this? Like, did you, like, what was I it like when well, the certificate <laughs> arrived? I mean, just, I, no, I just well, first wonder of all, what it was like. Well, it was, first of all, we didn't know what was going on. I was a kid and, and sad, sadly, my parents were illiterate. They were indigenous Italians. So they didn't know, but, but I do have the certificate. So I, I just saw it the other day and, uh, and I looked at it and in preparation for this discussion and preparation to is Canada broken? I looked at it and I said, Oh my God, we were told. As new immigrants, these are your four values. We all share them equal. This is what makes you a Canadian. And by the way, Canada and very few other nations have this. You're lucky to be in Canada because these are four enduring values that define us. Now, you know, Ezra, I, I'm going to tell you something. If I were minister of anything in Canada, I would issue that 
certificate to every Canadian to read it again. We are not teaching Canadians what a Canadian value is. We're not. I mean, the attack on free speech, how it went quietly, I can't understand it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, issue that certificate because maybe only immigrants understand what, what, what a true Canadian is because we get to read it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the second one is freedom of assembly. I mean, think about that. I mean, that's just a fundamental right. It goes back to Magna Carta 1215. And, and it was the only way you can, the people will have a voice is they have the right to assembly. Well, what has happened the last two years? I mean, people couldn't assemble. What the truckers movement, there is a, that is the greatest assault. Now that freedom assembly was on my certificate in 1967. It defined Canadians from the beginning of Confederation, and it was institutionalized or codified in the Charter of Rights, the Freedom Assembly. Well, that was taken away again by Justin Trudeau. How? By using an emergency act, an emergency act to prevent truckers who were scientifically on the right side of science. They said, no, vaccines don't prevent uh, spread. By that time, we knew and they were on the right side of science, and they were forbidden to assemble. There was not one criminal charge, I think, that was of any substance, such as a property crime charge, an assault charge, a murder charge, an arson charge. They were simply charges like mischief at the lowest level of the criminal code, and for that, you lost your right to assembly. So there's the second pillar that was taken away by Trudeau. The third was the freedom of religion. Well, you know there are tons of cases where religious institutions were under attack in the last two years, or believers. I know of cases where individual employees of the federal government had a religious, sought a religious exemption for taking a vaccine that didn't work, that certainly didn't have the purposes it was intended to, and they were, and I said this, they were grilled. What do you believe in? Let me tell you, they went before a panel and the panel judged the religious nature of that person. And most, if not, I think 95% or so were denied. That's another attack on a, on a, a, a fundamental pillar of what it is to be a Canadian. And then the free government. Well, we've seen what's happened with this government. Uh, there is absolutely, we had a couple of MPs, a parliamentary system is based on everyone being accountable to their constituents. Well, it's all in the prime minister's office now, full control. It's, 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 it's more of a dictatorship now. I mean, there are a few brave Quebec MPs that spoke out and said, Trudeau used the vaccines to divide Canadians. And, and, and you even had Morneau say that. Finance Minister Morneau said he, he was divisive. He used it on a purpose. And that, and these people, don't have a voice. It's all in the prime minister. So, so prime minister's, uh, prime minister's office. Uh, so here you are, the four pillars that I was told as an immigrant, Hey, you will have these. And then these four pillars were codified in our charter. I'm going to have them forever. All four have been broken. So when you ask me, Ezra, the simple question is Canada broken? Well, what is Canada? Canada are those four pillars that I told you. Have those four pillars been knocked down? Yes, not one, not two, not three, not all four by one person, Justin Trudeau. So the answer to your question is, is Canada broken? Yes. Who broke it? Justin Trudeau. Yeah. 
You know, that's a very interesting approach to the question. It's a very thoughtful, philosophical, as you say, it's in the DNA of the country. Because Pierre Polyev's list was very practical things. Can you issue right. a passport? Can you have airports operate? Can you manage a border? Like those are practical things. And, you know, the liberals hold themselves out as professional governors, unlike the cowboys or the conservatives. Like, you know, they say when when Trudeau was elected, they said Canada's back. And finally, the embarrassment on the foreign yeah, state, right. for example, <laughs> right. is over. But in fact, Stephen Harper had far more respect internationally, even from our opponents in China and, and Russia, than Trudeau does. I think Harper, like him or hate him, had the respect of the world. Trudeau, the, you know, his foray was showing his fancy socks. But you, you show that party trick once, I think people got tired with it. I can't think, I really can't think of any country in the world other than Ukraine where Canada's reputation today is stronger than it was before Trudeau took office. Certainly not India. He hasn't been back there since his atrocious you know, dress-up tour. China, despite his one-way love affair with them, treats us atrociously, even kidnaps some Canadians. United States, Trudeau can't get any any concessions from that country on, on anything important. Um, well, there's still there's still Canadians who are unvaccinated that can't get to great uh, their, yeah, their well, Florida I'm, I'm home. I can't go to the States. I, I go no, around but, the world country by country, and this vaunted liberal, you know, sophisticate has has bungled it. So I'm just going and you know, finances bungled. I I really think but, that you know, you know right. hired his cabinet based on, like you said, diversity issues. Uh, you know, are you indigenous? Are you black? Are you a woman? As opposed to competence and experience. The one guy who had experience, Bill Morneau, is now telling the tale that Trudeau doesn't know what he's doing. He just, you know, hires right. for looks. I think it's true. Yeah, Trudeau, uh, you know, uh, as are there, again, I I'll use two different baskets. Uh is can are the small things in Canada broken? Sure, they are. The passports, the delivery of services by the bureaucrats, the RCMP failing to investigate Trudeau when he was clearly uh, committed uh, uh, obstruction of justice, unprecedented. His own minister, his min attorney general, gets fired. Uh, that is a clear crime. No investigation. Are our institutions, many of them broken? Yes. Are our delivery systems broken? Yes. But those, in my view, are all fixable. They're fixable in the sense that, um, you know, you can get back to delivering better services. You can get back to, uh, doing proper with your, with your institutions. But what I'm worried about is, who we are as a, can a country. I'm surprised that there is no great outrage for the, the, the pillars that define Canadians. Again, you know, as, as an Italian immigrant, I became intellectually and very close to someone like Preston Manning. Now, he and I didn't have the same childhood. We certainly didn't come to the same world. Uh, we certainly had nothing in common except of the principles that we believe that created Canada, these principles. And that's true of a lot of people. So that's what unites Canada. What I'm worried about is these four principles were deeply attacked. And, and I don't know whether these pillars have been knocked down or whether they've been just cracked and whether they can be fixed. But to me, once you 
Like Ezra, here's what's very important for your viewers and listeners to know. Once these four fundamental values are gone, there is no Canada. There is no Canada. Once our free speech is gone, there is no Canada. Once our freedom of assembly is gone, there is no Canada. I mean, you know, can we fix passport issue? Yeah. But, yeah. but so here's these things that are being under attack. Ezra, every day I wake up and I go, Oh my God, why aren't Canadians screaming at the top of their lungs saying our country is being broken by this one individual? And the simple answer is the, the megaphones. For the Canadians are the mainstream media and they've been paid to shut up. Yeah. And they're the ones who were first. I mean, as a kid, Ezra, though, come on, Ezra, the, the investigative reporters, these were the guys that were going after government. Speak truth to power. Every media association was speaking truth to power. That's what kept our institutions clean, our government officials clean, and our way of governance the best in the world. Our institutions, uh, sorry, our media have been paid to put on the team jersey, and the team jersey happens to be red liberal. Yeah. You know, I remember about 10 years ago, Boris Johnson, who was, he became the mayor of London, then he went on to become the PM of the UK. He, he loved writing essays and, it, and it, I mean, it's a typically British thing. You're a politician, but you're also a journalist and you're this, and it's, it's a funny country, but he wrote an article once where he defended what he called the gutter press. Like he used that word, the gutter press, Fleet yeah. Street, the tabs. And he said, the gutters are clean because of the gutter press, because politicians are terrified that if they take a secret deal or do a secret thing. It's actually a gutter journalist that's going to expose them. It was actually a beautiful and funny way of defending scrappy, grubby journalists. I mean, he, and he embraced the word gutter press. And, and we have the opposite of that now. We don't even have the fancy press. Whole, I mean, there are a few exceptions. Let me acknowledge that. But yeah, that's sure. what I'm worried about. And, and you, you spot on. In a few weeks... In fact, less than two weeks, the Trucker Commission of Inquiry will give its report. That's Justice Rolo who oversaw that. And I believe that there's a real likelihood he's going to criticize the government for inappropriately imposing the Emergencies Act. I could be wrong. Some people are pessimistic. They think that he's not going to hold them to account. I think this judge is going to hold them to account. And I think what's going to happen, Manny, is the same thing when the ethics judge sure. ruled against Trudeau, which is absolutely broken the conflict of interest law and Trudeau shrugs and says, Oh, it's a learning experience for us all. We'll all do better. He pays the $500 yeah. fine and right. it's over. Exactly. And, and the country says, Oh, well, that's who we are now. We're sort yeah. of, we're not the clean squeaky clean country anymore. We, we accept this level of corruption. It's just who we are. That's what I'm afraid of, Manny. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what? It's because our guy did it. So it's okay. Now you brought up a great point. I mean, if, <laughs> The, the gutter press, the press is great at keeping people clean. Now, I'll give you two examples. Uh, Senator Duffy, who I know, went through three years of hell, 33 criminal charges. The RCMP went through everything. Some charges were as low as $100 or $200, about 90000 in total. 
the court basically said these are legitimate expenses, let alone. But the, the press camping at the courthouse, Ezra, I went to the courthouse a couple of times. I was still practicing law. And, and there was, there's just, there was a ton of press, like never shall this happen again that a senator spends a dollar a wrong way. What a beautiful way to keep Canada clean. Uh, Bev Oda, Minister Ova, Oda, who I know, went to a different hotel because she was a smoker. She's addicted to smoking. She had a breakfast. You know what her breakfast was? She didn't have the buffet. She had a $16 orange juice. Hmm. $16, Ezra. That was enough for the media to get her rooted out of town. And Harper had no choice but to remove her from cabinet for that $16. Well, what's happening today? We literally have, I read an article that the CRA is not going to investigate, I think it was 12 or $20 billion worth of CRB, uh, 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 those those COVID payments. Uh, we're not going to look at it. Trudeau's spending $100 million here to it. We're not going to look at it. It's not The media is not concerned about the hundreds of millions of dollars that are lost. So the answer is, I, I mean, if I, if I, even if I was not a conservative and I hated the conservative party, I'd vote conservative because I, then I'd know they'd be accountable. I'd have all the media looking at them because it doesn't happen when the liberals are in power. And look what, look what happens. Uh, the same is true. I, I, I don't know if you saw, if you saw, there's a list of all the contributors that FTX fellow in, in the States right. did. And he gave, oh, literally billions of dollars to politicians. And if you look at the list, Ezra, 90% of the politicians were Democrats, no, I mean, 95 and about 5% were, were, uh, rhino Republicans. Uh, that's a tell to you that, that that's who are part of the system that keeps this brokenness going. Um, so, so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, hey, I love the media. I loved, I mean, for, you know, as a conservative, I mean, Harper was, was put through hell on every dollar he spent. Uh, there's another, Ezra, you might remember, when when Stephen Harper put out the sixty billion dollars for the uh, for the stimulus plan in two thousand eight two thousand nine, every uh, there are two reporters I won't mention them, but they're they're liberals, you know, and I know them and they know me, but two reporters went to every dollar of the sixty billion dollars to find out, ha ha, these crooked guys, they probably gave them to their conservative friends. Uh, at the end of the two-year investigation, they found that more money was given to NDP writings, not conservative writings, and not one dollar was misspent. But at least the exercise went, and I know the exercise happened. I'm asking who's going through the trillion dollars that have been spent. We see reports of billions lost, billions there, and there's reports of Trudeau's friends and families getting money. And, well, you know what? We don't care. It's our side that's taking the money. You know, it's funny you say that. Let me switch gears, but I think there's an analogy here. As you know, yesterday, the National Post did a story on the lawsuit we're filing against uh, Stephen Gilbo for blocking us on Twitter. And I noticed that Kara Zwiebel of the Canadian Civil Liberties Association has been interviewed a lot on the subject. And she says, well, there are some reasons the minister might do that. Uh, if uh, Rebel News was being harassing of him, we, we weren't harassing. We, we weren't accused of that. Uh, Twitter certainly wouldn't allow that. It was just speculation on her part. And I, I wrote Kara's Weeble a letter today. I said, you know, if you're having trouble seeing how it's wrong that a government department 
can ban its political peaceful political critics from getting government services. I said, just do a thought exercise, Kara. Imagine it's Stephen Harper oh, doing sure. this to your friends at the Toronto Star. If you're sure. having trouble getting in touch with your civil liberties, and I congratulated her for waking up from her three-year slumber uh, during the, the civil liberties inferno of the pandemic. I mean, it's a bit gross, Maddie, that the Canadian Civil Liberties Association has more to say in defense of Stephen Gilbo than they had to say about the lockdown. But what I said to Kara was, why don't you just pretend it's Stephen Harper doing this and maybe you can find your civil liberties voice? Why, why doesn't, and, and that's, you're so, this goes to your point about the, the media are very critical and skeptical when it's a conservative in office, but because it's their dear friend, Justin, right. they're all on a first name basis with them. Justin, it's, it's, and Justin right. called me, and Justin invited me to the Christmas right. party. And, Justin, well, and, and, and I got a selfie with Justin. You know what? They never called him Stephen. They, ne they yeah, just called him Harper. But I wish well, that the conservatives were in office because all these terrible ideas like censorship would, would not be rolled over by the media party. That's my, I think that's the analogy to under, the, under Harper, they scrutinized every $16 orange juice. Ezra, you don't have to give a what if. I'm going to give you a what was analogy, all right? Um, and you're absolutely right. Not only the Canadian Liberals, uh, Liberties Association, but I'm going to venture and say that the vast majority of the institutions are on the liberal side and being the liberal voice. Now, let me give you a what actually happened. I was still practicing law, uh, and I know Stephen Harper. He's not a bigot. He's not an in, in, in uh, Islamophobic. But there was Omar Khadr's lawyer who called the prime minister a bigot and Islamophobic because he was his Department of Justice was de defending the uh, the or defending the claim of Omar Khadr. Now. I won't get I, quickly legally. It was a proper defense. You had to put the lawyers on this, but he was called a bigot and Islamophobe. And I was a lawyer saying, Oh my God, no lawyer should be saying that. That is crossing the line. He's going to get disciplined or disbarred for saying something as offensive as that. It certainly wasn't the prime minister directing that. Now flip to what's happened with. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson retweeted a tweet that was not complimentary of this prime minister. Now, of Justin Trudeau. What happened to Jordan Peterson? The association that governs him is now disciplining him and looking into him. And, and some form of discipline may or may not come to Jordan Peterson because he simply expressed a political opinion and it wasn't offensive at all. Just retweeted a tweet from the official opposition, Pierre Polivare. He saw the association that he belongs to break, trying to go after him. What did the lawyer, Omar lawyers, uh, uh, get for calling a prime minister a bigot and Islamophobic? Was he disciplined by the Alberta Law Society, which you know? What do you think happened? He was elevated, yeah. elevated to a bencher. Yeah, yeah. Now, and one Ezra, of Cotter's lawyers has gone on to be a judge. Right. So, so, so there's your, you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, go into hypotheticals. I, I can list you real examples yeah. of how the discrimination is there. I mean, here's Jordan Peterson retweeting the official opposition's tweet 
something benign, something. And this fellow standing, calling the prime minister a bigot, Islamophobe, gets elevated to a bencher in Alberta. What a joke. So that's all you need. I have literally, I could, I could create a thesis on this because I've watched it when I was giving advice to conservative party members. Uh, you know, know, so there's a lot of examples. Yeah. Interesting times. Well, Manny, I think you have made the case that Canada is broken. I think it's fixable. Uh, I think the hope lies with the people. The other day I showed uh, an image of the topics that Canadians write to Trudeau about. And they were all real topics that people are worried about, whether it's the carbon tax or the government approach to COVID. It's not Trudeau's favorite wedge issues. It's not transgenderism. It's not extreme feminism. It's not wokeism. It's none of this. It's not global warming. Trudeau likes to talk about what he likes to talk about for political advantage, but it is not what Canadians care about. I believe that Canadians want to heal and fix this country. And I think that Trudeau, God willing, will not be long in that office. Maybe well, good last yeah. word to you, my friend. Yeah, no, a very, a very simple point is that uh, you have to have a leader that really believes in the values that are that are in our charter and that were given to my father in 1967. Uh, Trudeau does not. Uh, and that is not to say that every liberal doesn't, but certainly Trudeau has demonstrated he's not. Uh, and, and so that's a simple answer. He is, de- I mean, to use the emergency act for something as small and petty as that, to deprive people, to, 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 to breach three or four sections of the charter of rights, you know, the mobility section, you can't get on the plane. Yeah. You know, that's just absurd. There's no science to that, yeah. that, that you can't have a job. We won't listen to your religious exemptions. These are three He's basically breached six or seven of the tenements in our charter. That is a person that should never leave Canada or accept that Canada is not going to be what it was and what it is. And it's now just a rogue state. Yeah. Manny, great to see you again. Thanks for your fighting spirit, your freedom loving spirit. Great to see you again. (laughs) Thank you. All right. There you have it. Manny Montenegrino, the CEO of Think Sharp. Stay with us. the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rubber World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.